Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. This is Brad Peterson filling in for Terry, who is on assignment in northern Minnesota. I'm glad to be joined here by Nate Zielinski with Tightline Outdoors. And Nate is down on Pueblo holding kind of a special first-of-its-kind combo event. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How's the fishing down there? And down tell us a little in, bit in about Pueblo, the event. It's, uh, it's a really cool place to be here on uh, you know this late June day. Uh, but I'll tell you what, it, it's awesome. You know, the fishing's incredible. Um, it's kind of a neat kind of day because there's so much water pushing through Pueblo Reservoir right now in the Arkansas River. Um, normally, this time of year down at Pueblo, we're dealing with extremely clear water, which sometimes can make for some tough fishing. We have a beautiful stain on the water, water 72 degrees, uh, and fishing is epic for both bass and walleye right here today. So uh, it's a great place to be on this Saturday. That sounds like it. Now, Tell, I know it's a little late for people to register for the event, but what is the event that you're holding down there? People maybe in the area might want to come by and check out what you're doing, where you're located, and pay attention for future events like this. Absolutely. You know, so we're hanging out here at the South Marina, so the South Boat Dock at Pueblo Reservoir. Right on shore, you'll see our tent, you'll see our stage set up. And we're running our Bass Obsession event and our Walleye Insanity event on the same day. So we're running both events uh, same day. They're offset by about an hour. Uh, but it's really neat. So, again, we have our full-blown Bass Tournament, which is, you know, our traditional, or I shouldn't say our traditional, traditional for this year. It's our digital series. Uh, so, again, this is a situation where you're catching a fish. You're actually videoing yourself measuring the fish on a bump board that we provide, and then you're releasing the fish. So uh, this new digital option gives us the opportunity to hold tournaments in a time of year like this, when the water's warm, when normally it would be hard to keep those fish in your live well and keep them going. Uh, this time of year, we can now handle those fish again. We can have a tournament out here because we can deal with those fish in that situation. So it's nice. Uh, we're also running our walleye event, same thing, digital format. Uh, so you're catching this fish, you know, taking a video of it, and then releasing this fish. Um, now, opportunity to anglers, and anglers choose to start. So walleye started at 5.30 a.m., uh, bass, or excuse me, bass started at 5.30 a.m., walleye started at 7 a.m. If you chose to launch at the 7 a.m. time slot with the walleye anglers, you had the opportunity to fish both. So we had a handful of people that signed up for both bass bass and walleye uh so we have some people out here fishing both events uh so it's nice it's going to be a kind of a see see what's happening today out here at pueblo and a lot of guys are catching fish of, of both species um they really it's just getting calm the heat's just starting to kind of get high uh so we'll see what happens the rest of the day see if fishing continues or if fishing slows down as, as the heat of the day goes on well and that's really exciting because i think the digital format is one of the futures of tournament angling because you're going to have a lot less stress and impact on the fishery. You can catch the fish. You know, the fish is out of the water maybe a minute maximum between the, the unhook, the measuring, and the release. The fish is right back in the environment where it was caught. And it's. I think it's going to be with the added pressure we're seeing on our bodies of water, it's the real future. I know they've been doing some of this back in the Midwest. So I commend you for being kind of the first – group to push this type tournament in Colorado, whether, and you can do this with single biggest fish tournaments, or there's some circuits in the Midwest that do it to where it's your five best fish, but it's the same, you know, catch and release format 
Um, Major League Fishing made it a little bit popular. They allow you to weigh all your fish. But this is really uh, a conservation tool for the tournament angler. I appreciate it, Brad. You know, you and I talked about it, you know, five years ago. You know, you were heavily involved in the tournament world, uh, you know, as well as I, both fishing them competitively. And, you know, now as a tournament director, um, you know, it's just that. You're just trying to, to look in the future and stay one as a step of, you know, of everything. And I think I think it's the biggest thing. Yeah, especially on our waters where fluctuating temperatures and, you know, just so much stuff goes on as far as the changing of, uh, you know, our overall water condition. It's nice to have that, that conservation in mind to make sure that you can handle that. And, you know, again, it opens up a lot of windows. We have opportunity to hold tournaments when we normally couldn't and uh you know species that we probably couldn't have so it's nice to see and we actually started kind of playing with it three years ago in our league format doing our walleye league which we host every other wednesday at chatfield we started it with league and then we actually implemented it on our carp series last year just to kind of test the waters it went very smooth you know again nowadays everybody's got their cell phone everybody has the video tech or capabilities it's just uh it's just smoother now with what the digital world is uh, so, you know, it's super simple. And again, it's uh, it's a fast, great format. And then right now we're doing it towards individual angler. And I, I can't say, you know, we, we might continue this. We might start adding team events where we have multiple fish, uh, you know, but right now it's individual angler. So it's nice. So we open up that world to everyone. So right here at Pueblo today for both bass and walleye, we have, we have shore anglers, we have kayak anglers, we have boating anglers, we have people that are fishing alone on the boat. We have groups out there, you know, there's two or three people on their boat. Uh, you know, they're all fishing against each other. Uh, but really, we opened up to, to all angling styles to, to include everybody. Uh, and it's a lot of fun that guys are doing this. Well, that is great. So outside of this event that's going on, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that have some vacation time this coming week. And if they're looking for a spot to go fishing, are there some good bites that you'd recommend, some tips? Uh, uh, what would you What would you suggest? Absolutely, you know, and we're down here at Pueblo right now. We're actually just driving around, checking some boats, taking some photos. We just drove over a ridge that was stacked with walleye, so we spun around on it real quick. We're out here taking some photos, uh, and the walleye bite is just going strong. We're just throwing, you know, plastic. We're fishing paddle tails, you know, three, three and a half inch paddle tails and a three eight ounce jig head, um, and that walleye bite is strong. We're seeing a lot of smallmouth out in this deeper water, and then a lot of uh, a lot of largemouth and a little bit shallower. Uh, again, high heat, you know, high sunny type days, but we do have a little pit to the water, which is nice. Uh, so those largemouth and spots are staying a little shallower. The smallmouth are a little deeper. Uh, but this bite down here, whether you're doing, you know, the, the bass, the walleye, even the wiper, uh, this bite is very strong. Then your mountains are fishing incredible. Uh, Will Dykstra and I just got done filming, uh, you know, for a couple of days with Jared Edwards Outdoors uh, up in the South Park area. And the trout bite, the pike bite um, are all going extremely strong up in those reservoirs. Uh, so, again, if you're trying to avoid that heat, uh, the South Park area is something definitely to think about. And, again, a lot of water coming through, a lot of oxygen getting delivered. Uh, those fish are moving around quite a bit uh but it's a good thing it's kind of spreading around and again a lot of opportunities for flying like we're fishing you know tubes uh fishing you know crankbaits fishing spoons um no matter what your angling style is you'll find that bite uh up there in the south park area right now we're also seeing some really big pike we're just really normally we're kind of starting our summer trends for pike if you want to call it uh, kind of an early mid-June, and this year we've had just such kind of a, a crazy year in weather that summer pattern hasn't really settled in, and that summer pattern just settled in now. Uh, so really just in the last couple of days, we're really seeing our pike starting to really stack on weed lines, starting to kind of really pattern up on, on the weed flats. Uh, you know, so fishing plastics, fishing jerk baits, you know, deeper diving, fishing uh, swim baits, uh, we're really starting to see some big pike. We had, had fish over 40 this week. Uh, we're excited to see that kind of the summer pattern 
the oh. next month or so will be, be pretty awesome for that. Yeah, and I tell you what, I was going to ask you about that because I'm fishing a lot of the, the north and eastern lakes, you know, along the I-76 corridor, and it looks like most of the bodies of water there between the fish, the water temperature, and the weed growth, we're probably two to two and a half weeks behind where we normally would be. And that's something that the anglers need to think about. We're almost fishing more like Father's Day weekend than Fourth of July weekend. A hundred percent. I would say I'd say Spinney's three to four weeks off. Uh, most of the front range is exactly that two and a half, three weeks off. So definitely, if you uh, if you follow that, you write down notes, you have a journal, things like that. Uh, definitely, you are you're going to stack yourself back a couple weeks. Water temperatures are at least that, if not more. Um, you know, there's some temperatures that are just crazy. And I actually, you know, fishing Williams Fork earlier this week, I lost almost eight degrees. Um, Williams Fork went back in and had about a week spell to where it's mid to late June. And these fish acted like it was ice off. They went back into shallow water. They retreated. Um, some crazy things happening. So, again, definitely when you get out there, think about water temperature. Think about, uh, a, lot of, a lot of different opportunities out there. But, again, the fish are biting. Uh, just make sure you're on top of them. Yeah, that's that's right. You know, the, the crappies out at Sterling are just now getting to the point of spawning. And normally they're they're in peak spawn Father's Day weekend. So think about that type of stuff. It will really help you out. Uh you know, have a little bit more success. If someone wants to get a hold of you, Nate, or book a guide trip with any of the guys from Tightline, what is the best way to reach you? Absolutely. You can go to our website, tightlineoutdoors.com. Uh, we have our two carp events still remaining as far as events. We got uh, coming up here June 27th, we're going to be at Clement Park or Johnson's Reservoir for carp. August 10th, we're going to be at Adams County's Fairground uh, with a carp event. We have our league night, which runs this coming Wednesday. And then from there, it goes every other Wednesday. So again, every other Wednesday at Chaffield, we have our league fishing night uh, for, for bass, walleye, and carp. Uh, then obviously, we're guiding to literally 24 uh, 7. You know, night trips, day trips, all species, all, all 17 bodies of water that we guide on. Uh, so all those guide trip information is all available again at tightlineoutdoors.com. All right, Nate. Well, we appreciate it and hope the rest of your event goes well. Perfect. We'll talk to you soon. We'll be doing some updates tonight uh, live from the event. So, again, you can watch our Facebook page later, and, uh, yeah, you'll see how today unfolded. All right. Sounds good. Nate Zielinski there from Pueblo Reservoir with his events going on down there. I'm. We are going to have Troy Lindner on right after the break, and Troy is going to be talking about swim bait fishing. We've had a few people mention uh, swim baits so far this morning, and so we're going to go a little bit into more in-depth on how to fish swim baits. They're a really effective way to catch numbers and quality of fish. So right after the break, we'll have Troy Lindner. This is Brad Peterson filling in for Terry Wickstrom on 104.3 The Fan. Welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I am Brad Peterson filling in for Terry this morning. And we are pleased to be joined by a close friend and the host of Angling Buzz TV and the Ontario Experience, Troy Lindner. Good morning, Troy. Good morning, Brad. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Good to be here. Yes. Well, I tell you what, we've had a great kind of lead in to the topic we're going to discuss here, which is swim bait fishing. Um, we've had... Mm -hmm. A couple of our guests mentioned it earlier this morning, and I know it's one of your favorite presentations, and I can tell you, having been on the water with you a couple times when you're throwing these swim baits, I've learned a lot about how to fish them from you, and you've learned a lot from being out in those real clear bodies of water in California. So, you know, let's start talking about 
some of the stuff that uh, you like about swim baits or, or a few tips for people. Sure. You know, swim bait fishing is such a, a broad you know, category, when, you know, and, and subject matter when we're talking about fishing everything from walleyes to bass and then the uniqueness between smallmouth, you know, spotted bass, largemouth bass. But we can, you know, one thing we can focus on, I guess we can start out talking about walleyes and swim baits for walleyes. And it's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> it's pretty easy. <laughs> you, you know, it, for the, the, you know, if I had to go anywhere and there's walleye, I'm going to have a quarter ounce moon eye jig head and then uh, basically a, a four inch paddle tail swim bait. Yeah, and, and that's one of my go-to. You know, I I've used a lot of the the BioBait product or the 360 GTs. Uh, that's the one head that I also would throw in with the Moon Eyes is the 360 GT head, especially in muddy water, because it has a nice rattle to it that sometimes I've found really seems to attract those fish. Um, yeah, the 360 GT, yeah, unique design. That le- the mass of the head is wider. You know, it's not a solid lead head. It does have that little rattle, so it adds a little extra, a little extra sound and vibration in stained water. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, we had the guys on from, like you say, from BioBait, and I've used their original stuff and their their DNA both. And the quarter ounce head, that's that's the one I like. Nate was mentioning a three eighths ounce head, uh, in. Mm-hmm. Realistically, the moon eye is probably my go-to head, although um, people may want to pay attention uh, as ICAST comes around because there may be another jig head that may be real good to try on those swim baits coming out. Yes, yes. Uh, as, as very soon to be released. Yes, so yes. We, uh, yeah, and it works very, very well. A little bit different head design, a little bit different hook design. And definitely has its place when it comes to specifically even I'm thinking about walleye fishing. Yes, that's that's very true. I'll I'll be posting some stuff on my social media with that. Um, so when you're fishing swim baits, and are you what type of line are you fishing them on? I I use a lot of braid, and I know that you don't tend to use quite as much. So what do you like to throw it on? I've been transitioning, you know, from, from some of the, you know, braid to a floral leader. If the water's stained and I'm, you know, and I'm fishing fairly deep, sometimes I use braid with a floral leader. And if it's a little bit shallower, I've been using suffix advanced mono, eight pound, eight pound suffix, suffix, actually six pound and eight pound in shallower water. And a little bit of shock absorption actually has been, has been pretty good, but for the light, also for if I'm fishing bass, side note, if I'm fishing bass, largemouth, smallmouth, and I'm throwing, say, an eighth-ounce head, a lighter head with a three to, you know, maybe three, three-and-a-half-inch swim bait, a little bit smaller presentation, I will throw that and make a long cast with it to be able to cut down through the water column better. I'll throw that down to, like, five-pound, just regular straight five-pound fluorocarbon to be able to get it on and near the bottom, especially, you know, sometimes I'll fish those down in, you know, 30, 35 feet. Yeah, you, you mentioned fishing that stuff down there in 30 feet of water with an 8-ounce jig head, and I've seen how slow you retrieve those things. I think you can order a sub from one of those delivery places, and it will be there before you actually get the lure back in. Um, I do not have the patience to fish them that way. 
Uh, I know you do, and you catch a lot of fish on them. Um, but you were talking about the jig head and the body. How do you like to do the retrieve? Because there's both the straight retrieve, you know, and more of a snap jigging retrieve. Do you have a preference, or is there certain times of the year that you find one works better than the other? I think for walleye, probably 80% of the time, it's a snap jig, deep and shallow. 80% of the time, snap jigging at 20% of the time, a slow roll. Right. And and for bass, pretty much a slow roll or fast roll. You know, just a straight retrieve, either, you know, just burning it or, or grinding it, bouncing across the bottom, kind of like crankbait style, or slowly crawling it, almost like a jig. Yeah, and, and, and I've found here recently, the last couple weeks in Colorado, I've been for walleyes have been doing more of a straight retrieve but that's because i've been fishing either through flooded vegetation right above it or also some flooded brush and those conditions dictate more of a straight retrieve than that snap jigging but as the fish pull out of that i agree i'm i'm definitely more of a snap jigger yeah yeah if you're fishing above yeah if you're fishing above the brush the snap jigging is is not well unless you want to get hung up over <laughs> not an option and that's perfect just taking the you know taking the tops of the brush like that and just above it is a, a perfect perfect re- retrieve so i guess my you know from the many lakes out here you know in the southwest in california arizona not a whole lot of brush you're pretty much just clear water and rocks so you can fish it on or near the bottom without uh, much worry about getting hung up and stuff yeah and uh, that's that's exactly kind of the way I fish it. We're going to be doing something kind of unique. Um, we knew we were going to be talking about doing this uh, swim bait fishing stuff. And on the radio, there's not a lot of opportunity for interaction, question, and answer. So Troy and I are actually going to be doing a YouTube live sec- session at 7 p.m. on Monday. And you can find it at Troy Linder. Uh, on YouTube, his channel, and we're going to be on there for at least a half hour and maybe longer, depending on how many people we get show up. And we're going to be doing question and answer. We're going to be able to have some of the products that we use, show you how we rig them and do that. So we're going to go even more in depth. If you're interested in swim bait fishing, and this is something that uh, you want to learn more on, Monday at 7 p.m. on YouTube, uh, there on Troy Linder's channel, we'll be doing something uh, a nice live question and answer session there. And Troy, I know there's one other thing you'd like to discuss. Um, I've been part of it, luckily, the last couple of years and kind of from the discussion of the beginning. And it, the Fishing Career Workshop up in Minnesota, you have a new one that we're putting together. And you wanted to kind of mention a little bit about it for those people who might want to look at getting a career in the fishing industry. Yeah, absolutely. This is the third year in a row uh, that we're having the Fishing Careers Workshop. This is going to be in Elk River, just north of Minneapolis. And it's just an awesome, awesome event. It's, it's you know, reading the, the responses and talking to people that have been to it in the past, there's nothing like it in the industry to network. And we're actually bringing to an event, bringing your resume is encouraged. And that was something, you know, talking with speakers in the past, like Dan Johnson from St. Croix Rods, if you try to meet with him at, at ICAST or the sports show and try to talk business, 
you know, with some of these speakers, you know, it's kind of not the environment. This is the environment to do that. It is, and, and it's it's taking place on Saturday, October 26th. Uh, it runs from 8.30 to 5.30. And who are some of the guest speakers? Uh, you know, I mean, there's been a, a wide variety from bass pros to, to guides. And um, your dad, Al, is also uh, has kind of been one of the hosts every year. So you have an opportunity to talk to him, uh, world-class photographers. Who are some of the guests this year? Tony Roche is going to talk about guiding. Tony, obviously, a, a very well-known and experienced walleye fisherman. Uh, Scott Glorvigan, uh, CEO at, at a, I guess, a little internet company called Wired to Fish. <laughs> yeah. That uh, is doing okay in, in the uh, in the online and YouTube and social media space. He's going to talk about, about um, you know, marketing the online space, where he came from where he thinks, you know, the, the industry is going. And then we also have we got a whole, Ron Shera, um, who's uh, very legendary in, in storytelling. If you watch his TV shows, the way he can craft and tell a story is, is just incredible. We also have Dan Quinn, field promotions manager at Rapala. And we have a, a lot of other speakers as well, including Tom Newstrom, Matt Johnson uh, with um, Clam Outdoors and the ICE team. My dad will be there as well. I'll be there. You'll be there. It's just going to be an awesome, awesome event. Saturday, October 26th. The website is really easy. Fishingcareersworkshop.com. So, yeah, if you'd like more information on it, just go to fishingcareerworkshop.com. It'll have a lot of details. There's some videos coming out. um, A lot of other really good uh, information takes place and the opportunity to network with these people. They stick around. They really want to help you out in getting into the outdoor career, whether that's, you know, working for uh, the state or local government, uh, guiding in the media promotions, in product development. All of that is is being discussed there. And one of the keys in the industry is, you know, having a good network of people that you know, and this is a great starting point. Yes, it is, and it's like I said, it's not you know like a like a sports show or or fishing how to seminars. When you when you listen to the conversation, it's not how to catch fish. It's how to either get sponsored, how to make a career, how to transition out of a job into you know the industry, whether it's guiding, um, working in social media, um, and how to approach companies. So. So the conversations there around the tables and the networking that happens there is so different from any other event in the industry. Yes, it is. So if you're interested, we'd love to see you there. Uh, Troy, if someone wants to follow you uh, on social media, what are the best places to to do that? Sure, on Instagram, really easy, just Troy Linder, T-R-O-Y-L-I-N-E-N-E-R, two ends there. And then the same thing on YouTube, Troy Linder. And then on Facebook, Troy Linder Fishing. And again, uh, for the Fishing Careers Workshop, right there, fishingcareersworkshop.com. All right. Well, I appreciate it, and I will be uh, in touch. And don't forget the YouTube Live question and answer session about swim baits coming up Monday at 7 p.m. Thanks a lot, Troy. Thank you, Brad. All right. Well, that was Troy Linder. 
talking about swim bait fishing, and we are going to take a short break here and come back, and we're going to have JR from Colorado Clays talking a little bit about shooting. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry on 103.43 The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry this week, and we have a special guest on the line that you probably heard quite a few times from Colorado Clays. JR is here. Good morning, JR. Good morning, Brad. Thanks for uh, having me on. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, good talking to you. I'm sure it's probably a really nice day out there at Colorado Clays. It's fantastic, and I'll tell you what, Brad, uh, it's a little warm, but our sporting clays down in that creek bottom uh, with that big mature cottonwood uh, forest just keeps things cool. What a fantastic day to do some shooting. Oh, I tell you what, sporting clays is one of my favorite things to do during the uh, non-hunting time to help keep the shooting skills pretty well. And you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the other opportunities you've got there to help keep people from uh, from the rust building up on their shooting skills. Well, and Brad, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's a really good point. So, you know, first, I think I should let everybody know, uh, you know, Colorado Clay certainly is Colorado's premier public shooting facility. Uh, we feature the finest in rifle pistol, trap skeet, and sporting clay shooting. Um, We're open year-round, and we're available to everyone, being that we are a public shooting range. And, you know, I really want to make sure people understand, too, that we truly do specialize in hosting groups, large or small, and I'm talking ranging from individuals to, you know, friends and family events, weddings, uh, bachelor and bachelorette parties. Boy, they're really popular right now. Lots of kids' events. Uh, 4-H, Boy Scouts, high school, SCTP, and college stuff. And then, of course, the corporate and team-building events of all sizes and fundraisers as well. And uh, I think I should also let everyone know we offer instructional instruction excuse me, for beginners, for groups, uh, for rifle, pistol, and shotgun shooting. And by simply calling and scheduling time with one of us, uh, we can really get that ball rolling. But, you know, back to the, the preparation, Brad. Um, you know, I think we have the bird seasons coming up here, and Dove's going to be on us before we know it. And uh, here at Colorado Clays, we have shotgun shooting opportunities for really everyone from the newer novice shooter to expert level. And we have ranges, fields, and courses offering skill-appropriate target presentations for each of those groups. So, um, not only is a trip to Colorado Clay's enjoyable experience because of, you know, all the amazing opportunities we offer, but as preparation for bird seasons, uh, it truly puts you ahead of the game for many different reasons. Oh. Um, of course, you know, you can practice on targets that uh, fly similar to the, to the game birds you're after. So um, whether it's pheasants, we have the trap and wobble trap, um, maybe you're looking to do some decoy shooting or some fast teal. That skeet will keep the gun moving. Uh, and, of course, sporting clays. You just can't get enough practice. Uh, and that just really applies to all different kinds of bird hunting. And a few things, I mean, um, one of the most important is just the no-look gun familiarity, meaning uh, you don't have to wonder or remember where your safe was or, or what have you. You just grab and go, and it just gets that rhythm and that memory back. 
Um, a lot of people like to mess with choke selections and, uh, you know, different chokes for different presentations, and that's something you can certainly do here. Um, and, of course, just those fundamentals of your stance, gun mount, sight picture, you know, whether it's leads and follow-throughs, um, all of those can be worked on by simply coming out and enjoying some time on the course. And then again, you know, and I know Terry always brings this up, uh, practice in the same clothes you're going to hunt in because things change when your wardrobe does. So, um, and finally, I think Terry probably should have done one more trip to Colorado Clays last year before dove season, but I'll leave that alone. <laughs> well, I can tell you from my own personal experience, if you don't get out and practice a little bit before dove season, you know, doves are humbling even if you have been practicing, but if you haven't, um, it, hurts. It, it can be really embarrassing and, and uh, it can hurt the wallet quite a bit for the, uh, the <laughs> average. I saw at one point in time that the average was one dove every seven or eight shells if you're shooting well. And if you're shooting bad, it's one for every 15. <laughs> with, yep. the, with the limit being 15, that can lead to a really sore shoulder if you're having to take 15 shots for every bird you're getting. That is right. So if someone is wanting to go out to Colorado Clays, JR, what's the best way for people to uh, to get out there, get in contact with you? Well, certainly the easiest, Brad, is just to give us a call here at the range, uh, 303-659-7117. Speak to anybody that answers the phone. We all are knowledgeable, and we can get people going in the right direction. And it really does not matter what you're trying to do. Uh, we'll have the information. We'll hook you up with the right people and uh, we'll, we'll make whatever you need happen. That's what we do. Well, that is fantastic. I appreciate the call, JR. And we are going to have to head on to a quick break here. But if you're, anyone's interested in getting out and doing some practicing over the next few months before season, go down there and see Colorado Clay. Say hi to JR. Let him know you heard about it on the Terry Wickstrom Show. All right. Well, thank you, Brad. Um, ColoradoClays.com. Take the virtual tour if you have any questions about what we do. And uh, give us a call. We're waiting to hear from you. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, JR. Thank you. All right. Well, right after the break, we're going to be uh, joined by someone who is truly one of the most inspirational outdoors women that I know, uh, Kirsty Enos. So she will be here just in a few minutes. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry Wickstrom on 104.3 The Fan. I'm Brad Peterson. Welcome back. I'm filling in for Terry Wickstrom on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. This next guest, I'm really excited we were able to work out in the schedule as she is a, a resident of Colorado, but uh, rather busy, a Marine veteran who got injured in a helicopter crash and, and lost part of her leg from her knee and above. I, I got a chance to meet her at the ANA Topper show or, or booth at the ISE show last year. She just returned back from an attempt at Mount Everest. And while she's been back, she actually was just nominated or notified that she's going to be winning the Pat Tillman Service Award at the ESPYs. And so I want to welcome Kirsty Ennis. Hopefully I said it right that time. Kirsty. All good. Thanks for having me, Brad. I appreciate it. Thanks. I'm I'm glad that you uh you were able to make this work in your schedule. And you were just um since since your accident, you've been taking the opportunity to go do some challenges that maybe 
you hadn't been doing before. And one of the things you're trying to do is to climb the seven summits. And earlier in May, you were just up on Everest. Can you tell some people about that trip? Yeah, I mean, well, the reality of what I'm doing right now is I'm doing more on on one leg than I ever even dreamed of doing on two. And after I got uh, medically retired from the United States Marine Corps back in 2014, I decided that I wanted to continue living my life for other people just in a different way. Um, And in 2017, I committed to the idea of climbing the highest peak on each of the seven continents. Um, So now I'm officially four of seven um, completed. And in April and May um, of this year, I was actually uh, spent all my time out in Nepal climbing Mount Everest and made it to the South Summit, and which is about 200 meters shy of you know the proper tallest point in the world. Um, so it was quite the experience. But um, you know, I don't really climb just to beat on my chest and say, "Look at what I can do." I climb with heart and purpose. So all of these climbs I've been using as a vessel to fundraise and raise awareness for different deserving nonprofits um, and of course just just trying to show the world that you know anything is possible given that you're willing to work for it no and and that is fantastic what nonprofit were you climbing for at on the everest trip so this time around i was actually using everest as a means to um, support the kirstianus foundation which is my organization that we founded back in 2018 um, but it's 100% volunteer-based, and all of our donations go directly back to helping organizations and individuals find um, healing, education, and just opportunity in the outdoors. So what we ended up actually being able to do was um, donate $7,500 to another nonprofit called Warfighter Made, which helps our um, injured um, injured populations in the veteran community. And then in turn, we were actually able to help the Center for Disabled Children Assistance over in Nepal by um, getting them wheelchair parts and parts for um, prosthetics for orphans, basically. Oh, that is, that's fantastic. And, and I love the fact that with your foundation, you're trying to utilize your love and passion of the outdoors to help others get, uh, you know, find healing and, and maybe get that connection that can really um, help them through tough times. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm a firm believer in in recreational therapy and just getting outside, Um, especially my healing, whether it was mentally, physically or emotionally. It didn't take place uh, within four walls of a hospital. Um, I needed to get out and and get back to being who, you know, Kirstie truly is. So I want to make sure that I can pay it forward and give these opportunities to other people as well. That is that is absolutely tremendous. Is there a way if people are interested in helping out the foundation, is there a way people can reach out? Yeah, definitely. And if anybody wants to reach out, feel free to check out the website at org, or even you guys can follow along on some of our you know, events and some of the clients and stuff on social media. So the Kirstinus Foundation on Facebook and then Kirstinus Foundation on Instagram as well. Well, that is absolutely great. And when you returned, you also found out that you were going to be winning an ESPY. What, yeah. That, that's kind of a, that's a big award there. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, in my personal opinion, it's um, the greatest award anybody could ever receive. Um, when ESPN called me and let me know that I was going to be receiving stage time at this year's ESPN Award Show, um, initially my my gut said no. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna politely decline. Like you know, award shows aren't exactly my thing. 
And uh, I was almost under the impression that it was going to be something along the lines of, um, you know, best adaptive athlete. And then they actually let me know that it was the Pat Tillman Award. Um, and to me, to be able to be recognized alongside such a legend and American hero, it's, I mean, it's just a tremendous honor. Um, and to be celebrated in that capacity, and like I said, alongside him and his amazing family, uh, definitely one of the, the greatest awards I'll ever receive. So, Well, that congratulations on that. That is that is truly wonderful, and, and I think I think it's well deserved. Having you know, followed and seen what you're doing out there, and really being inspiration, you know, while we we had a chance to spend some time together at the ISE show, I I saw you know various people come up either with disabilities or particularly kids. Your connection and your ability to really uh, talk to kids and open them up. Um, was absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, that means a lot to me. I mean, that's the reality of what I'm doing right now is it's, you know, I want to be the person that can inspire the next generation, whether it's they're dealing with some sort of a form of an injury or disability or whatever sort of adversity that this sometimes vicious world can throw at us. I want them to recognize that they're strong enough to overcome it. Um, and so, yeah, it's all about paying it forward, especially for the kids. Yeah, that that is very true. Now that you've wrapped up with Everest, what's your next adventure coming forward? Um, well, I actually, I'll be going down to South Africa uh, for a week um, for a bit of a woman's hunting trip. <laughs> About then in September, I'll actually be headed to Ecuador um, to climb a mountain called Cotopaxi um, in support of a nonprofit. And then, again, we're going to be bringing prosthetic limbs to, to kids down there. Now, is that one of the seven summits there? No, it's not one of the seven summits. It's just um, a spot that I've been to before, and I'm, a, I'm passionate about that area. And, again, just providing, um, in some ways, you know, the, the foundation for the rest of these kids. But a lot, the rest of these kids, um, so, yeah, just near and dear to my heart. Well, that, that is great. You've, you've recently moved to Colorado, um, I know, in the last year or two. Have you been able to get out and enjoy many of our outdoor opportunities, whether it's fishing, hunting, uh, I'm sure probably some hiking, but uh, have you been able to get out and enjoy some of it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely on the road quite a bit, but I, you know, I came to Colorado for the winters and stayed for the summer. So, of course, I'm out there snowboarding and ice climbing and all of that, but, you know, I'm really lucky that I live right on the frying pan. So, I, you know, I sit out there and I fly fish and walk right out my front door and hang out and spend some time out there. Um, I actually have never hunted Colorado. Um, it was definitely on my radio for this season. Uh, we're we're going to get that changed. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If nothing else, we're at least going to go get Darren out from A&A, and we're going to get out and chase some ducks and geese this winter for sure. There we go. I like it. <laughs> and and try to get you out on, on maybe some, uh, some warm water fishing over here on the plains as well. Um, you know, I know you're up there at Red Rocks working out with the avalanche. You just need to find some time to uh, actually wet a line and relax a bit. Yeah, I like that. I like the way you think. <laughs> That's great. So if you were going to tell anyone, you know, uh, give advice to someone who's maybe going through some tough times, uh, what would you do? Because you, you know, from your accident, I know you had quite a few surgeries that you had to go through and – and there's in talking to you, there were some times that were kind of really dark or, or difficult for you to make it through. Do you have advice to kind of help people um, 
you know, make it through that time, whether it's, uh, you, you know, no matter what they're going through in their life. Yeah, I mean, my biggest piece of advice for anybody, you know, even if it's just having a rough day, um, it's it's the six inches between your ears and what's behind your rib cage that dictate what you're capable of. You know, so if you keep your head and your heart in the right place, you can overcome anything. Yeah, and that I, I think that that's that's very true, and it's so simple, but yet so profound. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so. If you're looking what you're headed down to Africa, what are you going to be hunting down there? <laughs> uh, I'll actually be going down to the Limpopo area. And it would be Impala, uh, Oryx, Sable, Warthog, and Wild Beast. And I'm sure something else will come up when I'm down there. <laughs> Everyone that I've talked to that heads down to Africa has a list of what they're going to. Uh, you know, this is what I'm going to hunt, and something else pops up that they never thought they would have any interest in whatsoever. But once you get there and actually experience it, it that there's kind of that connection, and and you feel like, um, boy, this is this is a lot more interesting animal than I had expected. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, and as a blue, for whatever reason, crocs have been in my brain, so <laughs> we'll see. Well, well, that is great, Kirsty. I appreciate you coming on and talking with people. Uh, real quick, why don't you let people know about how to contact the Kirsty Enos Foundation and to follow you on social media? Yeah, again, just follow along on the website, KirstyEnosFoundation.org. Um, if you guys want to follow along with me personally or somebody's, again, having a bad day and just and need somebody to be there, um, feel free to get a hold of me personally at Kirsty Enos on my Facebook and then, again, Kirsty Enos on my Instagram. All right, Kirsty. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, we are running up against the, the time here, so thanks again for joining us. Most definitely. Thank you. All right. I appreciate it. That was Kirsty Ennis, and I am Brad Peterson. I've been filling in for Terry Wickstrom. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can follow me at Brad P. Outdoors on Instagram or Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook. Have a great day.